the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon to you, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Hour 2 of SoCal Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host and bastion of talk radio. I got that title from Big Wave Dave, KKLA's Big Wave Dave, the other day when he was hosting the show, and I almost fell out of my chair. Uh, I had to look. (laughs) BWD, thank you for that. I had to look up Bastion just to make sure it was okay. Uh, And it is, you know, okay. Well, if that's what we want to say. And you, my friends are the bastion of listeners, people who come together here live in Southern California from 3 to 5 each and every weekday, and it's great to be with you together. It's great to be with you because, you know, together we can do amazing things. I don't know if you think about that, but we have the ability to not just become aware of the issues of the day and not just to reflect on the news of the day, but to actually do something about it, that we are called to be effective in our witness, and lots of what we can do really has to do with what we do with our neighbor, what we do with our the people in our relational world who we know, the things that we can do in our church with people we know. Most of what we're called to do is that. But occasionally there are things that we can also do in our culture, in our society, um, in our government. And uh, we have some things we want to talk about today. And I have a couple of guests with you that, uh, with us, who are going to talk about human trafficking and specifically what that is like here in Southern California, what's going on in the world, and an opportunity we have to help in California right now. And so my guests today are Dave Cox. He is the Chief Operating Officer at Zoe. Zoe is a human trafficking organization whose goal is to end child trafficking and restore survivors and at-risk orphans. It's a Christian organization. Their goal is also to reach every person that they're in contact with, with the good news of Jesus Christ, and to train followers of Jesus Christ, to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And joining him is also Sylvia, who is a parent advocate for Zoe. And uh, Dave and Sylvia, welcome to Southern California Live. Thank you so much, Scott. It is great to be with you today. Yeah, thank you, Dave. How you doing, Sylvia? I am doing great. Thank you so much for, um, for having me on the um, talk show. Well, we're really glad to have you. And, uh, hey, Dave, why don't you talk to us uh, about how do we understand trafficking in general? Because I think, and especially right here in the Southland, what kinds of things should people be aware of? It's It's been something that has been increasing in our awareness in the church lately, but I think maybe we don't realize what a big deal it is, uh, and it's happening right under our noses. Tell us a little bit more. Yeah, it really is, Scott. It's, uh, you know, it's a growing problem. In fact, uh, California consistently ranks, uh, number one in the nation of human trafficking cases were reported to, uh, the National Human Trafficking Hotline. So we're in a part of the country that has a lot of human trafficking. LA is one of the top three cities where human trafficking occurs. And, you know, a lot of times we think there's this misconception that you got to just watch out for the white van. It's going to come and snatch and grab and these kidnappings, and those do occur. But human trafficking, it is much more widespread than that. Um, it is a $150 billion a year industry worldwide. They estimate over 40 million people being trafficked. And 
our focus is kids. So, and we know that one as every four victims of human trafficking, their children. And, uh, you know, when you, when you say children, when you say children, how old are we talking about? Well, we're talking, you know, the youngest, uh, child we worked with in Thailand was 18 months old here in LA. Uh, kids as young as 11 and 12 year olds are being trafficked. In fact, we had one 12 year old. She was a victim of trafficking and, uh, her family was moving shelter to shelter because the trafficker was tracking them down and there was so much danger. Uh, and you know, as they, as this family is kind of on the run, um, we got a church to surround this family, but that child went missing and we worked with law enforcement, uh, got her on the missing list with NECMEC, and uh, it took months later, but this little 12-year-old girl was ultimately found under a bridge here in L.A. Hmm. So, it, and she was being exploited, trafficked. These kids get raped multiple times a day, and uh, they can be drawn into this, tricked into it. It's force, fraud, coercion. Sometimes it's just straight force. Sometimes it's just over their phone, and they get yeah. coerced into it. And it seems like the perfect boyfriend, but it turns out not to be the case. And this is so this is something that uh, how many kids are you dealing with just here in uh, L.A. at a time? Well, in L.A., I mean, there are uh, hundreds of kids in L.A. being trafficked. Our, our team is currently working with 70 kids at a time right now in our what is called our first responder protocol. It's an advocacy program. So if law enforcement picks up a kid and rescues a child or a kid is identified in foster care, as being commercially sexually trafficked, our team is dispatched 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and then we'll begin walking with that child to make sure they get access to all the resources that county and city have to offer. So we we take care of currently about 70 kids at a time. We also have a home, 50-acre campus uh, in L.A. County where uh, if kids need specialized care um, before we can find foster care placement for them, uh, we have a short-term residential center that kids can come and receive first stages of healing before they move on. But uh, people would be shocked that on the streets of L.A., here in L.A. County, kids are being commercially sexually trafficked, and uh, it's just minutes away. And it's in huge numbers, much bigger, I think, than what people what people think. You said you're working with 70 or 80 kids right now in L.A., and you're just mm-hmm. one you're just one organization. There are there are many and um, yeah, there's two that specifically do the advocacy work, us and one other, mm-hmm. um, but we contract with L.A. County. But we do know that there are a couple hundred kids in L.A. for sure. And, you know, these numbers are hard. This is a hidden crime. Yeah. Uh, victims are so slow to come forward. I mean, they're at risk. They threaten their families with physical violence. Um, kids are deprived of, you know, food or sleep, um, basics if they don't fulfill the demand of the trafficker. So it's a, it's a hard thing. It's hard to get reported. So it's a very underreported crime. Yeah. And one of the things we're going to get to this in a few minutes, uh, but people should know that one of the things that needs to happen is that this crime is not currently defined as serious and violent under California law. And what that means is in a technical sense is that the penalties for people who get caught, who are doing this, are not nearly um, what you would think they ought to be. That is, that's absolutely true. And, you know, there's a short window where we could address it, but it is shocking. It's shocking. That, um, 
Yeah, because I, you know, if you if you've ever had a chance to talk to a true victim of human trafficking, uh, it is equivalent. The PTSD is equivalent to a wartime veteran. It is brutal, and so to say that this, that this is not serious and nonviolent, um, it is an injustice to every victim and survivor of human trafficking. Yeah, it is. And, and Sylvia, you are the parent advocate for for Zoe. And uh, tell us what that means, and tell us um, a little bit about your story. Uh, well, um, a parent advocate is actually, um, I am a experienced parent that had a child who was trafficked, and I come alongside families who are in need, uh, a father or a mother or both, um, in need of support of, of a parent advocate to walk alongside of them, um, having a child who was trafficked, I can relate to the pain, the um, to give them a little more understanding of what they're going through with their daughter, because not only does it affect just the youth, but it affects the whole family. So this happened to one of your children? Yes. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Is that okay? Yeah, uh, yes, most, most definitely. Um, so um, my daughter was um, trafficked at the age, it started at the age of 13 when she was actually being pampered and uh, or groomed, I should say, which without my knowledge at the time, I didn't know what human trafficking was at all. Um, so my daughter was being groomed at, at the age of 13, but the, by the age of 14, um, that is actually when my daughter was being trafficked. And, um, and this actually happened right in my apartment building in a different uh, complex. So, you know, human trafficking can happen anywhere um, in your backyard. As for my instance, for my daughter, it, it was actually in my apartment building in a different. And how she was introduced was actually from a friend from school. You know, you, you would think that, um, that that doesn't happen. It actually does. It's happening in, it's happening in our schools, um, at home. And so um, my daughter was invited to a birthday party. I knew this friend. At least I thought I didn't know her um, because I actually would drop her friend off at her parents' house. I knew the parents. So this is actually someone that I knew well. Um, she would spend the night over. My daughter would spend the night over her house. So this is a friend that introduced her, my daughter, to the trafficker. So um, at her birthday party, and my daughter, just being fourteen, you know, she didn't she didn't know anything. This was an older man. Right, she's eighth and grade so, or or freshman year, right? No, she was actually she was actually still she was in the um, eighth grade. In the eighth grade, right? Okay, okay. yeah, I just go by by the um, years. Yeah, so she was actually in the eighth grade, and and another thing also too is that you know. Um, she, this was a new friend. So those also signs that I did not know. Um, she had an older friend. She was actually two years older than her. But since, you know, like I mentioned, I thought I knew her friend. Her grandmother lived in my apartment building where I lived at. And that is actually where, like I mentioned, she introduced that trafficker to my daughter. And so from there, that's actually when the trafficker approached her and said, um, hey, you know, um, you want to... Um, um, are you interested in working? And so my daughter's like, yeah, sure. She didn't think anything of it. Right. So they exchanged numbers. 
Um, a week or two later, this trafficker gives her a call, and he says, hey, are you ready to, um, to start working? And so my daughter said yes, and he picked her up and um, took her to his place. And so that is actually the first time that my daughter actually was, um, was lied. Hmm. This trafficker raped her. And she's 14. My daughter did not know that that was raped because she thought, you know, it was a job. And the way that he told her, he says, hey, you're beautiful. You know, you were awesome. And this is how you can make money. And he gave her, he paid her. And the only reason why I know this, how, how it happened to her, is the relationship that I have with my daughter. Yeah. Down the years, so I'm kind of cutting it a little short, but it's, you know, I went through this, and my daughter was being trafficked for about four and a half years. Wow, four and a, a half years. Battle. It was, yeah, it, it, was, it was actually a, a, um, a nightmare. I didn't, you know, like, again, I did not know what human trafficking was. But... As I had a relationship with my daughter, I started noticing her character changing. She stopped going. Um, she would ditch school. She would stop um, asking me for permission, what, you know, to go out with her friends. There was constant um, of her leaving. Um, she would leave for days, sometimes for weeks, and then sometimes she even stopped coming back home. Hmm. And, I, you know, what does a parent do? I right. do not know who, who to call. Who can I talk to? A, a, a parent goes through so many changes as a child also goes through so many changes when they've been trafficked. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and even as, as I talk about it, it it still hurts because her innocence was taken away from her. Yeah. She was, you know, it, it, it destroyed the family. It just tore us apart. And so to my little girl that she did not know what was going to happen to her. But in her eyes, she thought that this was okay because mm. everyone around her was doing it. How long was it until so it, when you when you suspected that it was trafficking and, and you, I, did you think it was more along the lines at first of teenage rebellion and that kind of struggle? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, at first, at the beginning, you know, I didn't think um, um, nothing of it. I just thought, you know, she's been rebellious. You know, maybe she, you know, she wants a little freedom because her other friends are allowed to go out and the party. But I, you know, um, to her, I could tell her, babe, you know, you're only 14. Right. You, you're in my household. You need to listen to the rules and the boundaries that I have at home. And then again, not knowing this is, you know, what are these friends that are also victims and these traffickers? telling your kids, which they were actually telling her, you know, not to listen to me. You know what? Come hang out with us. And that's something that I did not know. Mm-hmm. And when so did, within the five years, yes. Yeah, go ahead. When did you finally discover that this was going on? Okay, well, I finally discovered was actually was by the grace of God that um, this um, about a year and a half later around um, Thanksgiving or Christmas time. Okay. This is actually when, um, like I mentioned, I knew who, who her friends were. I was, you know, I had the phone numbers. Um, one of her friends actually um, told me that my daughter was having sex for money, that she was being trafficked. I was in denial. I could not believe that because sure. this is something that, you know, I did not um, raise my child 
or even, you know, uh, have sex for money. So I was in denial. I couldn't believe it. And so as time passed by, I, you know, actually ran away. I, make a, I made a lot of um, missing reports, you know, a runaway. So by this time, she was already known as a vicious runaway, constant mm-hmm. running away. Until one day, my daughter was actually missing for a couple of weeks. I could not sleep. I could not eat. I would actually go to sleep crying, wondering what was going on with my daughter. So I reached out to one of her friends and asked her, have you um, talked to my daughter? Have you seen her? Have you seen her posting? And she's like, um, she says, yes, I've I've actually talked to her, and your daughter's in trouble. I go, what do you mean? She's she's, She's at a hotel being kept, and she's told me that they're making her do things that she doesn't want to do. And at that moment, you know, my heart just dropped. Um, I, I I didn't know, you know, what to do. Just all kinds of things were just going through my mind. Yeah. And so she, her friend was actually the one that helped me find out where she was. So then- that was actually one of the times that um, uh, apparently, you know, she was able to um, to leave. But the thing that we don't understand, which a lot of parents, because I work with a lot of parents that are going through the same thing, they don't understand why do our children go back to the traffickers? Yeah. And that's something also, too, that I could not understand. You know, um, she would come home, but the minute that the phone rang, I could see the fear in her of the power and control that these traffickers have on our children over the phone. Yes. My and daughter gets a phone call. I can hear, you know, this trafficker yelling at her, telling her, why aren't you out there making my money? Yeah. And I look at my daughter and I tell her, please don't go. And I see that frightening look in her eye and she didn't answer me. But, she had no choice. She actually waited for me to go to sleep, and she was gone. Yeah. Uh, Sylvia, I uh, I can't even imagine, and I'm a parent of a 9-year-old and a 12-year-old, and e- even as you're talking, you know, my mind is racing through all of their friends. You know, who could be in this sort of a relationship? I know that a lot of our listeners are thinking the same thing, and we're so grateful that you're able to tell the story, and we thank you for it. I know it's painful. And uh, we're going to continue that story in in a moment. And uh, what I want people to uh, to know, this is Southern California Live, and our guests are, this is Sylvia, the parent advocate with Zoe, a human trafficking organization that deals particularly with kids, and David Cox, who is the chief operating officer. Um, if you're listening and you're saying, what can I do? Uh, I'll keep coming back to this in each segment this hour. But there there is something to do because one of the, the challenges that is faced right now with law enforcement is the crime of sex trafficking or human trafficking of children is not considered um, as a serious or violent crime under California law. Can you explain that briefly, Dave? And uh, we'll, we'll get back to this when we get back from the break in just a moment. Yeah. So under California law, um, certain crimes, certain felonies are elevated 
um, if they're if they're genuinely considered serious, robbery, um, uh, rape, obviously things like that, serious and violent, those are two different categories. But once they're in that category, it qualifies uh, for a strike. There's a three strikes in California, which means if you are a repeat violent offender, your sentence will be increased. Currently, the way it works, um, if somebody gets a sentencing for trafficking right now, um, you know, they only serve a portion of their sentence. Even if that sentence sounds like it's going to be long, uh, even if it would say 14 years right now, there's a good chance that they will only serve four to five years. And this could be a trafficker uh, that has been brutalizing, uh, brutalizing. The stories are horrendous. Um, uh, children or adult victims. And so what that does, it puts a huge pause in the mind uh, of anybody who would think about testifying against this uh, because they're afraid that trafficker is going to come out of jail, out of prison, yep. and they're at risk. Yep. And so it, it is really a disservice to the victims. Um, and so Currently, right now, it's just not classified as violent or serious. And so there's a, uh, a senator, uh, Senator Grove, she put forth legislation that will be voted on on April 5th. And uh, be, and it's the first stage of this. It has to get past five senators on what's known as a safety committee. Um, and they need at least three of five of those senators to vote for it. It's been turned down twice already. But that just infuriates me, honestly. Uh, and I, yeah, I realize it, there's it, technicalities it, and things, but that's shocking. It is radically shocking. And this is not even a left-right issue. Right. This, is, this is a human rights issue. It's a basic decency issue. Um, and anybody who has any knowledge of human trafficking, it is one of the most serious crimes. And it's one of the most violent crimes. Emotionally, it's violent. And physically, it's it's violent. So um, that, that's why I think if the general public even realizes this or hears it, uh, everybody would uh, get behind this and, and say, this is just something so basic that we right. need to update the law and put this in the category of serious and violent. All right, Dave, I have to take a break, and uh, Sylvia will be uh, right back for more of your story. And if you're listening and you're just outraged and you're saying, what can I do? We're going to explain that more in the hour, but if you uh, can't participate in the rest of our conversation here, our email address is SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. I will send you information for how you can help, and we'll tell you more about that. Uh, when we come back in just a moment. This is the Thursday edition of SoCal Live. We'll be back. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody, to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, and our guests today are from an organization called Zoe, which uh, deals with children who are being sexually uh, exploited and trafficked human trafficking uh, right here in Los Angeles and around the world. And our guests are Dave Cox, who is the chief operating officer, and Sylvia, who is the the parent advocate. And before the break, Sylvia was telling us about her own story, uh, about how uh, her daughter was groomed at the age of 13 
and put into human trafficking situations right from her own apartment complex and got into it by uh, invitations from from friends, young friends. We're talking about eighth grade here, talking about little kids. And uh, this is happening all the time. And uh, Sylvia, when we left off, you were talking about how hard it is for these kids who are involved because their traffickers are so powerful in their life that they keep going back to it even when they, they get out. And you were saying how you could hear the threats and how frightening it is when your daughter was receiving calls from these people. Where did, um, how did things ultimately uh, go in your situation? Uh, well, in my situation, uh, like I mentioned, it was um, about four and a half years. Um, but how the trafficker got caught, um, I actually... And this is also another thing that is it's so confusing for a parent with the technology nowadays with phones. You know, with, mm-hmm. with a, a touch, you can actually communicate with anybody. Yeah. And so um, around Christmas time, I've actually uh, decided to give my daughter a present, um, a new cell phone. And so what I did was that I put a tracking system on that phone without letting my daughter know. Mm. I gave her the phone and because I knew my daughter was still, you know, leaving. And so one, one particular time, actually, what happened was my daughter was, was actually missing for um, almost a month. Um, during that time, I was in contact with a detective because the case was opened um, and identified as uh, a victim of human trafficking. And so being in contact with the detective was very um, also helpful. So what I did... Um, when my daughter was missing for that month, and again, I would reach out to her friends and ask if they knew, because sometimes she would actually turn out for location. Mm-hmm. But for her being gone for a month, I, um, you know, that's too long for a parent. And yeah. during that time, I, you know, I actually fell into depression. I was, I couldn't eat and I couldn't sleep. So with this tracking system that I had was that I... Her friend called me and said that, you know, again, my my daughter was um, with a trafficker. And so I try to call my daughter. And there's times that your kids will not answer your phone. Right. You try to reach out to them and, and call them. They won't answer you. And so I got through her friend and told her that, if, you know, if she talks to my daughter to have my daughter answer my phone. And so she, my daughter did answer the phone. So when she did answer the phone, that was when I was able to track where she was at. I tracked her down where she was at. She was staying at a motel somewhere in L.A. I didn't have the correct location, but once I had that location, I called the detective and told him, hey, my daughter is at this place. I don't know. I don't have the exact location, but she's at a hotel in L.A. Because her friend helped me and gave me the name of the hotel, that's how they were able to uh, locate her. And so the detective... Um, called the team. They went to the location of where my daughter was at, and they did find my daughter, um, the trafficker, along with another trafficker and three other girls. And that's how, actually, my daughter was, was rescued. Okay. And, you know, we think that that's the end once the uh, once they locate your daughter. It's actually it's not the end. That's actually the beginning of um, restoring the relationship. Yes getting connected back with your daughter. But that's 
even that is so hard to reconnect with your child. Mm-hmm. What I noticed that when they brought my daughter back, it, it wasn't my little girl anymore. And what I hear a lot about these, you know, a, a lot from these parents that I work with, yeah. I just want my little girl back. Yep. And when I noticed that, I reflect and I remember that day they brought my daughter, she wasn't my little girl anymore. I had realized that her innocence was taken away. She was a whole total different person. Mm-hmm. I had to read. I had to learn her again. Yeah. And, and how long is that? How long has that been now? Um, well, it's been two years. Two years. Okay. Yeah. And how old is your daughter now? I think my daughter's twenty-one, okay. and I thank God because if it wasn't for God who gave me the strength to fight for my daughter, to stand by her side, and to walk alongside of her, I would not be standing here today to be that voice and to encourage other parents to be that voice and to stand mm-hmm. up to these traffickers because it's not fair. Yes. They, have, they have stolen her, her innocence. They have stolen her life. And she can't get that back. That's right. Sylvia, I know uh, for all of us listening, uh, we are heartbroken hearing your story. And uh, it is, uh, I just thank you for sharing it, for being so brave and for really um, the truth of, I don't know how anyone could go through this without the Lord. Um, You know, sometimes people say the Lord won't give us something more than we can handle, which is not in the Bible. And you know that well, that this is something that's there. So, in the in uh, with the, your daughter's traffickers, were they arrested then? Are they being prosecuted? What's the story with them now? Okay, so you know it's it, this is really hard, and this is why I support this bill. And you're the talking about SB ten forty two, which is a bill that will turn this into a more serious crime, uh, which is the shocking thing that we're getting into here. Is that all this that you've been hearing about in the story? Uh, it's not considered a serious and violent crime right now under California law. Right. So my daughter was not just trafficked by one trafficker. There were multiple traffickers. I can say that one, even as young as 17 years old, a trafficker. He, um, you know, the violent and serious crime. My daughter was beaten by him. He knocked her down, she was out unconscious, and he continued beating her and broke her jaw in two places. There was a surveillance camera. Go ahead. Uh, Luckily, luckily there was a surveillance camera on there, and they got the whole thing on tape. Okay. My, my, My daughter then realized, and her exact word says, Mom. I didn't deserve this. I didn't do anything. Because of his age and 17 years old, he only got five years, mm. which we probably only do 18 months out of that. 18 months. And then he's probably going to do it so again. So that's the first. Yes. So, and the other, the other trafficker, yes, 
he also um, was caught. Okay. You know, I, I wish that at the time that, that my daughter went to court, I wish this was going, that this law had passed. Yes. Because the traffic only got 15 years. And out of those 15 years, he's not going to do all of them. Right, and, and probably he, very few. Exactly. And he was only charged for pampering and pandering. So wow. this is something that I also, you know, and I know we have a powerful, almighty God. Yes. And I know he's watching over me and my little girl. Because I would not be standing here. And this is something that I also told my daughter. Do you know how big and mighty my, our God is? Your father who loves you and who has plans for you, baby girl. He's not going to allow anything to happen to you. I said, I thank God that you are still alive. Because every night that you were gone, I didn't know if you were alive. Mm-hmm. You know, and as, as Dave said, that they are deprived from, from food, from sleep. This is something, too, that I realized that, when my, that I seen that when my daughter would come home, I could un, un, not understand why she would always be starving. She would sleep all day, and she was up at night. So these are things that are stolen from them. So there's other traffickers that did got 15 years. He might only do right three three years out of that, or maybe five. That's right. You, you know, depending. Yeah, Sylvia. Depending if he gets in, right? Depending if he gets yeah. in twenty five to know it gets more at a time. You well, know, this is where, like I said, I <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. This is where I also support the law because. As we were talking about this bill today, and just hearing, I can understand the parents, how they feel, because they say, why aren't these traffickers being prosecuted? They get arrested, and they get out, and they keep getting our babies, continuing trafficking them. So this is something also, too, that looking at that, if this, if this law is not passed, when these traffickers get sentenced and they get out, and this is something also, too, that my daughter is going through, mom, mm-hmm. when he gets out, he's going to come looking for me. Yes. And um, a, year after, a, a year after this um, trafficker got put in jail, um, she heard from one of her friends, friends that knows and told her that he was getting out. My daughter was so terrified just seeing her being re-victimized again. That's right. But I also realized that I'm also being re-victimized, worrying for my daughter how she's thinking, fearing for her life. Yeah, Sylvia, I have to uh, take a break, and I don't want to miss the opportunity to help our audience know about this bill so that we can do something about it. And because we're limited with time and I'm thanking you so much for your story and we're grieving with you. My friends listening, don't turn it off. This is where as believers, we've got to know this is the real world. This is hell on earth and we can do something about it. SB 1042 is being proposed. It's in committee, but something that you need to know is that it's been stopped in committee already twice and a vote is coming up on April 5th where you have an opportunity to call the state senators who are on that committee. And when we come back, I'm going to give you their names and their numbers. We're going to hear from 
David Cox about what we can do here. And if you can't stay on for us, if you're going to work, have to get in a meeting, do something, email me right now at SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com, and uh, we will email you all of this information so that you can participate. Um, And when we get back, we're going to give you all of that information. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everybody, Southern California Live. And this has been a, I think, a profound hour for myself and for many of us as we've heard Sylvia's story about her daughter being trafficked. And Sylvia is the parent advocate for Zoe, an organization that helps kids who are in these trafficking situations. And the reason that she can be a parent advocate is because her story is uh, one that is shared by hundreds of parents, even right here in Los Angeles and the Southland. And what we want to do is make sure that we hear these things and realize there's something that we can do about it. And as she was just sharing, the scariest, one of the scariest things happening now is that once her daughter's captors have been arrested and convicted, California law is not very harsh for people who are doing these horrific crimes. And Dave Cox from Zoe, who is the chief operating officer from Zoe, is here with us. And we want to tell, tell you about a way that you can help out. There is a bill going through the process in the California State Senate. And right now it is in the California Senate Public Safety Committee. And we need you to help that committee understand that this bill needs to be passed. What the bill is going to do is reclassify human trafficking in the list of crimes so that it can be considered a serious and violent crime under California law. It's not right now, and it would make it a strike under the three strikes law. Dave, can you address that? What are, what's, the, what's happening with the law, and what can we do to help? Yeah, so currently uh, where the law is at, it has to go to the five-panel safety committee uh, of our California state senators, and we need three of five of them to give it a thumbs up to move it on. And uh, this is the most important hurdle. And uh, it's like uh, you had mentioned earlier, this has been tried twice before and has failed. But word has really not been able to get out uh, in a significant way. And I think that it it came on our radar. We're trying to share it with our uh, support base. And I appreciate you sending it out as well uh, to your base. But what people can do um, and the most effective is to contact uh, the senators directly. In fact, there's two of them that represent L.A. Uh, and which senators and are those? Stephen Bradford and Sidney Camelgar. Stephen Bradford they, and Sidney Camelgar. Yeah. And basically, uh, when the office is contacted, uh, the way it works, you want to speak to their legislative director. They're the ones that really manage the bills that are going through. So not just the person who answers the phone, um, could be an intern, uh, uh, admin assistant. You want to ask for the legislative director and express your support for this. And it will, uh, you know, our understanding, it's, it would really move the needle. Um, these just had very little opposition, it seemed, in the past when they came up. And so just for them to hear that uh, people care about this, 
and this is real, and uh, we would say not in my town, not in my city, that we'll do whatever we can to protect these kids and families like Sylvia, uh, parents like her, they don't have to live in this fear um, of retribution or retaliation uh, when they get these short sentences and will come back out and re-victimize all over again. You know, I, I think that uh, for me, just speaking for myself, but I think this is probably true with a lot of our listeners. I've, I have, uh, as a pastor of a church, we've done a lot with human trafficking and different organizations that we've connected with. I had no idea that the penalties were not severe for people who got caught. Um, yeah. And it's outrageous. And the, why, it's, the fact that it's failed twice is just, I can't even believe it. So um, the steps that you can take, here's some things. And, and if you need this written down for you, if you just can't do it, I want you to think about this. Our email address here is SoCalLive at KKLA.com. And now it is on the KKLA Facebook and Twitter page. So go over to, that's probably the best way to do it here. Go to KKLA.com. Uh, go to the Facebook page on KKLA, click like and follow it, and you can get all of the information there. And so I'm going to look that up here myself so I can take a look at it. Um, but there's a petition that you can sign, and we need you to sign, and what we need you to do is call the state senators and voice your support for SB 1042, and we need you to do that right away, okay, because they're going to vote on it on April 5th. Uh, what else can you tell people uh, as far as how to do this? Yeah, I, you know, yeah, the main thing that you can be doing, you can send a letter of support to, um, you know, the, Senator Watson, Elizabeth Watson, uh, she's the one that put forth this bill. You could even email her or send a letter of support, or if you have an organization, you can send it to her. They're gathering these. They need those by March 28th, and they're going to give all the letters of support to that committee so that they can see a broad base of support, you know. The words of the uh, current uh, county district attorney, Cynthia Zimmer, who helped uh, partner with the senator to get this pushed through, she just highlighted that uh, without this, it relegates human trafficking to the same status as theft or vandalism, uh, and, which is shocking to hear it's that shocking. Uh, from a DA. Yes. So it's like this is it's so basic, and I think it's just people voicing their support it could really move the needle, and it would make um, all the difference for victims in California and survivors here in California. Yeah. To sign the petition, a couple of places on social media now. You can go to KKLA mm-hmm. on Twitter. If you follow KKLA on Twitter, it's KKLA995FM. But if you just search for KKLA, it'll come up, and you can follow them on Twitter if you're somebody on there. And the link is there to sign the petition. And also on the KKLA Facebook page, it's the same page, same uh, link on Facebook.com slash KKLA995FM. But you can also just search for KKLA on your Facebook account. It will show up. And the link is there. Click on the link and sign that petition. I signed that petition earlier today. And, uh, my friends, I'm I'm outraged. We that I just had no idea, Dave, until uh, this was brought to my attention for the show uh, that this was the case. And we're going to keep talking about this uh, into next week. And um, what is it specifically? Because March 28th is time sensitive. What, again, can people do by March 28th? March 28th is when letters need to be turned in to uh, the, the, uh, the Senator Watson's office, Elizabeth Watson. She's the one that sponsored and put forth this bill. 
and she's collecting letters of support that she needs by March 28th that uh, she's going to give um, all letters of support to that uh, five-panel committee that um, will have a significant impact when they review this and determine if it's gonna, they're going to allow this to move on. All right. So Elizabeth Watson is her name. Her email address is elizabeth.watson, just like you think it would be spelled, at sen.ca.gov. Elizabeth.Watson at sen.ca.gov. Those are uh, letters that you can write in support. Um, I encourage you to do that. These letters get read, um, and they need to know this. And we, what I want you to do is go to your Facebook, go to your Twitter, if you've got that. Look up kkla.com, and not only click the link, I want you to, sh- to share it, okay, on your Facebook page. There's a little arrow. I don't know if you ever do this, but you share it, and you need to share it with all of your friends. I don't think this is a right and left issue. Uh, hopefully it is not. Um, and you can share it later on. You'll be able to share this hour's podcast. If you go to kkla.com, go to Southern California live page, you can find the podcast. You can even share this hour and do this, uh, regularly over the next couple of weeks. We'll remind you next week on the show to do it. If you're on Twitter, just retweet it and you can put your comments in there and let people know, uh, they need to know any final thoughts, uh, Dave, We've got like 30 seconds. Yeah, I, I would just say, you know, uh, there is great potential to make a big difference. If we can move this here in California, it will send a shockwave to the nation. And I think elevate the whole issue of human trafficking and child trafficking. Yes. And it will have a significant impact, not just California, but across the nation. Um, and uh, so we just ask that people prayerfully consider that and let's make a difference. Yeah, Sylvia, thank you for sharing your story and your uh, uh, and what you've been through on our program today. Thank you. It's it's my pleasure um, just to spread the word to give other families hope that yeah. there is hope and to be that voice for the voiceless. Yes, thank you for doing that. God bless you for that. God, I pray for Sylvia and her family that you would just bless them and bring healing as only you can. And we thank you for. Dave, we pray for all of our listeners that we would do something here. We thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Dave and Sylvia, thank you for being on Southern California Live. Everybody, I'm Scott Furrow for SoCal Live. Go to kkla.com, uh, the Facebook page, the Twitter page. Find the link, forward it along to your friends, and do that. I'll be back with you next Monday. God bless you. Have a great evening. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com